We are in John chapter 11, reading from verse 1. So the next passage that we're reading about in the chronological life of Jesus is John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to death, not not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and her her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you are going there again. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. But because he sees the light of this, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go so that I may awaken him out of his sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who's called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's, let's also go so that we may die with him. Okay, so up in verse 1, this is a passage about uh, Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus. Now, remember, ever since the sin uh, uh, um, where, where, where they, they committed the unpardonable sin of denying the Messiahship of Jesus while he was present there on earth. So remember, that's not a sin that we can commit today. The unpardonable sin is the denying the Messiahship of Jesus when he was physically present in that time. They denied him three open times. There were three great denials when he did the three works that he promised, that was promised that the Jews themselves taught that only Messiah would be able to do. One of those was to cast a demon out of a person who was mute. Jesus did that. And on that occasion they said, could this indeed be the Messiah? Another thing was to heal a Jewish leper, because never had a Jewish leper been healed since the law was complete. Miriam was a Jewish, a Jew who became a leper, but the law had not yet been complete. So, so the rabbis said only Messiah would be able to do that, and Jesus did that. And the third one was to heal a man who was born blind, and Jesus did that. It was at that point that they said that he was able to do this healing because he was filled with the demon Beelzebub, who's head of the demons. That's the only way he could heal. Based upon that came the unpardonable sin proclamation. And Jesus stopped teaching except in parables to the masses. If he was speaking to the masses, it was only in parables. He only spoke openly to his disciples after that. And he stopped 
healing the masses. He only healed individuals based upon their personal need and faith. Based upon their personal need and faith and for the instruction of the disciples. That's the only way he did it among the Jews. But he said the only sign that they were going to get, the only remaining sign that they were going to get for the masses was going to be the sign of Jonah, the sign of resurrection. As Jonah was in the belly of the sea, uh, of the sea creature for three days, so you will see the sign of resurrection. This is going to be now the first sign of resurrection. It is a sign for the masses, what he promised them. Only sign that they will get as a nation anymore was going to be the sign of resurrection. And here they were about to see it. And there are going to be three times when, he's going to, when this sign of resurrection is going to come. This is the first time Lazarus. The second time was Jesus himself. The third time will be at the raising of the, the two witnesses halfway through the tribulation. That has not yet come. And right after that, the Jewish nation will receive the Lord, will be welcomed in, and will receive Jesus back. Because Jesus said, I will not return again until you welcome me back as a nation. I will not return to you again as a nation until you welcome me back. And after they see that third sign, they are going to welcome him back, and there's going to be a great salvation among the Jewish people at that time. But in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man, this is John 11:1, 1, was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so, so it, this is, this is uh, a la- the, the uh, Lazarus that Jesus really loved. If you look down in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved these three people. One of them was Mary, her sister was Martha, and the brother was Lazarus. Jesus often stayed in their home. He would often go to Bethany. He wouldn't stay in Jerusalem. He would go to Bethany, which was about two miles away, and stay there. He loved these people. And you say, well, Jesus loves everyone. He does, but there was a special affection for this family. There is a special affection that Jesus had, has toward those who show him love back. Those who serve him. And it says that, that uh, in verse 2, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So you see that, that this is that special Mary who had, had uh, um, wiped his feet with her hair. And there were two Marys that actually did this sort of thing. This is one of the two Marys. <clears throat> and, and so John, as he's writing this, he's trying to put this in the context so we know that this is the Ma- one of the two Ma- Marys. There was another one that had done something very similar. But this is one of the two that had done this thing. And, and her sister's name was Martha, and we had seen also how Martha and Mary served Jesus. Mary sat at his feet more, Martha was, was busy serving, and, and he was sitting with Lazarus. He really liked this family. He knew them. And so that's why the writer of the Gospel here underscores that he really loved these folks, and they loved him. And it says, it says uh, um, in verse 3, So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. That's the word. So they sent a messenger to tell Jesus, and Jesus is not yet in Judea. He's still outside the confines of Judea. Remember, he had gone down to Perea. So he's about a day's journey away. So if he were to leave at that moment, as soon as he heard, it would take him at least a day to get to Bethany. He's outside Judea, and this message comes to him, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. 
Now, when these messengers were sent, it took them a day to get to Jesus. Remember this. It took them a day to get to Jesus. It would have taken Jesus a day to get back. So, minimally, it, it could only have been two days. It, it had to have been two days before the messengers left, before Jesus could have gotten back anyway. It says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, of course, Mary and Martha and his disciples don't understand that this is going to be the first sign of the resurrection. We understand that in hindsight because we have the scriptures that have been written for us. And so, he said, this is going to be for the glory of God and so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. God is going to be glorified and the Son of God, Jesus himself, is going to be glorified by this. It says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This was a special love. Jesus loves everyone. We know that. But this was a special love because of the affection that they showed toward him. The care that they showed toward him. He was welcome in their home. He ate in their home. They cared for him. They listened to him. They were instructed by him. There was a relationship there. If you or if I will spend time at the feet of Jesus, reading his scriptures, hearing him, praying to him, there is a specialness of a love that goes beyond the general love of God loves the world. There is a specialness that occurs. And you can often tell people who spend a lot of time in the presence of God at the feet of Jesus. There is something about them. There is a depth of relationship that they have with Him. There is something special about that relationship with Him. And when they speak about God, it's not just like, oh, that they've read this from a book. There's something special there. You can go to seminary and learn lots of different things. And you can tell a person who's been just to seminary and a person who spent a lot of time at the feet of Jesus who's never been to seminary. And the person who's been a lot at the feet of Jesus is a lot more fun to listen to because they speak out of a knowledge of God. And this is not something that comes just by going to seminary. And it's a tragic loss that many people think that if I just go to seminary, I'll be equipped to be a speaker and a teacher of the Word of God. Yeah, you'll be equipped. You'll be equipped to put people to sleep. That's what you'll be equipped to do. This comes by spending time with Him. And so I, I speak to young people. I say, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to spend time with Him? What is it worth it to you? Will you fast and pray before getting up and speaking? Will you spend at least a day fasting and praying? Why not two before you get up and, and preach? How much do you want to do this? Or do you just want to rely upon going through these key points that you've learned in seminary to present? You'll put people to sleep that way. Because there's no depth of relationship with God. But have you taken this portion and will you read it day after day and meditate over it and say, Lord, speak to me. Give me something to share. This is the difference between learning something academically and learning it at the feet of Jesus. There's a relationship, a love relationship, and your hearers can tell the difference. They certainly can. They had a special relationship. 
And they sent the message, they say, he whom you love is sick. They didn't even say Lazarus. They just reminded Jesus, you love this guy. This guy who has a special relationship with you. He's sick. And they don't mean a runny nose. If they're going to send a messenger outside of Judea for him, it is really serious. And remember, they didn't have the blessing of, of chemicals in those days like we have. And so, so when someone got sick, they often didn't last very long. And uh, um, so he was, he was fading really pretty quickly. In verse 6, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So when he heard that he was sick, the King James puts a therefore. Because he heard that he was sick, he stayed two extra days. And you're like, huh? It just said in the verse above this, Jesus really loved this, these folks. He loved Lazarus. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. And because he heard that this family whom he loved, Lazarus, was sick, because of that, he stayed two more days. Uh, that doesn't make real sense. If you really love them, then just run there. Remember, Middle Eastern men don't run. They just run anyway. He says, no, because he heard he was sick, he waited two more days. This bothers us a lot. You know, we've, we feel we have a relationship with God. And we go through something. Like, Lord, I, I prayed three minutes ago. And you still haven't answered my prayer. Like, come on. If I were you, I'd have answered it for me. You, you, you pray for a spouse. I mean, look, it doesn't come right away. You pray for a healing. It doesn't often come right away. In fact, it says... He, Jesus, loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days. Because he loves us, because of the love that he has for us, we go through things. Which doesn't seem to make sense in our world. But he has his purpose. Do you see what I mean? If he were just merely a genie in a bottle that we just rub this bottle and anything we ask for, boom, you got it. What you want today? I'm here to serve you. Whatever you want. He's looking for something else. He's looking for a treasure that comes because of his delay. Because of his delay, there is a treasure that comes. Because of events that happen in our lives, it is the hard things in our lives where we always grow more through the hard times. You speak to any believer that's worked, walked with God over a period of decades. They will tell you the periods of most growth in their lives were the periods when life was rough. The periods of least growth are when everything is going well. That's the period of least growth. Because he loved them, he waited. Two more days. Verse 7. 
Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Remember, he was outside Judea. He was across, across the Jordan River on the other side of the Jordan, outside Judea, outside the Sanhedrin's authority. Remember, the Sanhedrin had said, we're going to kill this guy. So he went outside their region of authority. So now he says, after two days, let's go into Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you want to go there again? So they remind him why they went across the Jordan to Perea in the first place. They said, remember, they, they, they said they're going to kill you if you go back there, that you'll be under the Sanhedrin's control. And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. But because he sees the light, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in, in him. Somewhat of a cryptic answer. But there's really something special just, just buried right in this. He says, there are twelve hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. But he sees the light of this world. Sometimes, when believers, when pe- young people come from a Christian home, where God is honored and God is loved, they don't realize how, uh, how difficult it is in homes where Jesus is never talked about. The chaos that can go on in homes. I mean, you, you can just click on a few things in, on YouTube and see the hell that goes on in some people's homes who don't know the Lord. I mean, just the turmoil, the fighting, the screaming, the shouting, the language. And you compare that to a home where Jesus has spoken about. The treasure that we have in the body of Christ, the treasure that we have in the community of the body of Christ, where you don't, you don't come to a, a, a group of believers and just get picked on all the time. Now, I can remember what really stood out to me when I started meeting believers when I first went to college was that believers, you'd, I'd sit at the table with them in the cafeteria, they'd invite me, and they weren't, they weren't making fun of each other. They weren't talking about people and busting out laughing. If their laughing was just wholesome laughter. It was enjoying one another. Because there was always that pain that I knew that, that if you were sitting at a table and everyone was laughing, that that pain that might be me that they're laughing at. The community of the body of Christ. When you walk in the light of Christ, there's not all this stumbling. You walk without, and it's just hell on earth in some of these homes without, without Christ. And some of you that have come from unbelieving homes, you know what I'm talking about. Just the difference that's there. And sometimes we don't appreciate it. Those who don't come from Christian homes don't appreciate it. Those who come from Christian homes don't appreciate the blessing of God that's there. In verse 11, this he said, and after that he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of his sleep. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of, his lit, of literal sleep. So, Jesus, remember the New Testament always speaks of sleep for the believer. Those who believed on Christ, it didn't say they died. Jesus said of the little girl, he said, she is asleep. 
And the people laughed at him. No, she was very much dead. But Jesus called it sleep. Why sleep? Because sleep you rise from. The believer, when the believer dies, it is called sleep. Because you're going to rise again to a wonderful place. When the unbeliever died, it was called death, even in the New Testament. When the believer died, it was always called sleep. Because it was a state from which they will rise. A state where their spirit immediately goes to be with the Father. In that time, in the time of the Scriptures, in the time of the, of, of, uh, the Gospels, that soul immediately went to the bosom of Abraham, as we talked about the other day. And then Jesus went, after his resurrection, he took captivity captive. He went to the good side of Sheol or Hades, which was under the earth, and he took them from the bosom of Abraham to be in the presence of his father. He referred to it as sleep. And his disciples say, well, if he's asleep, he'll he'll wake up again. So remember, after two days, Jesus just confirms, he's dead. He's dead. And, And then... And then they say, well, if he's asleep, he'll rise up again. And so in verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So look what he says. He says, no, look, when I say sleep, he's dead. Physically, he's dead. So that they realized, you know, because they thought he'd just fallen asleep. That's a funny thing. Let's walk for two days so they can wake a guy up because he fell asleep. So he had to explain to them. And, and, uh, um, but he says in verse 15, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. He constantly was doing works to teach the disciples. He said, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there so that you can believe once I do this great work. Therefore, Thomas, who's also called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. You know, Thomas was, was, was the pragmatist. All right, you know, let's, let's just go so, you know, we'll just die with him. John writes about Thomas all the time in these sort of lines. Jesus, Jesus, said, Jesus said one day that uh, um, uh, he, said, he, he, he told the disciples to follow him, and he said, you know where I am going. And Thomas said, we don't even, he, he, Jesus said, follow me. Let, me. let me just read this. So this is in, uh, um, in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 4. In John chapter 14, verse 4, Jesus said, And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? You know, that's actually a smart reply. Jesus said, You know the way that I'm going. And Thomas said, hey, Come on. I don't even know where you're going, let alone the way that you're getting there. You see what John did? John wrote about this guy always having these lines of, 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 uh, uh, where, where he was a real pragmatist. He didn't just like, oh, you know, some philosophical thing. You know? Then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did, did anybody ever really annoy you because of things that they said? 
And remember, John had to walk with this guy Thomas for three and a half years. And Thomas was probably saying this stuff all that. So, so John documents. Do you know what I went through walking with this guy Thomas? So, so look in, uh, um, in, in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, the disciples all see Jesus risen from the dead. But, John, but, but Thomas happened not to be there. John chapter 20, verse 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not there when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, But we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I mean, you see the frustration of John here. He's trying to tell Thomas, We saw the Lord. And Thomas said, I don't believe you guys. You know, I, I want to actually see the imprint of the nails in his hands. And I want to put my finger into the place where those nails are. And not only that, I want to put my hand into a hole in his side. You know, the other disciples were, Thomas, you're just such a nuisance. I mean, here we are telling you and you're talking to us like, you see, what, what, you can see the humanness. Of the gospel. And so, that's why back in, in, uh, in John chapter 11, when, when he says this, he actually picks out this thing of Thomas, that Thomas was the guy who said, okay, well, let's just go die with him. I mean, God, this is the Lord you're talking about. And the Lord told us to go, and you're talking like this again. So, if you have people around you that are annoying and you like to tell stories, do you know what he said? To, do you know what my roommate said today? This is, this, is what, uh, this is what John is doing. He's telling us the frustrations, the frustrating things that Thomas said. But, which is really not that untrue. It's really pragmatic. Because they threatened to kill Jesus as they got their hands on him. And he says, We're gonna, we'll just go die with him. In verse 17, So when Jesus came, he found, when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So look at this. He had already been in the tomb four days. So, so count the days. So, so the messengers leave. takes them a day to get to Jesus. That's one day. Jesus waits two days. So now you're up to day three. It takes a day for Jesus to get back. That's four days. The guy had already been, that's minimally four days. That's if Jesus walked quickly. If he took his time, it might have taken two days. We don't know how many days it took him to make the journey back. He could have made it in a day. But when he got there, he had already been in the tomb four days, which means that right after the, shortly after those messengers left, the guy died. Remember, they didn't have cell phones back then. You know, so the messenger took the message and, and so... This guy had already been in the tomb for four days. So even if Jesus had run back as soon as he heard the message, it wouldn't have done any good. So why wait four days? It turns out that you can read it today in the Jewish writings. The Jewish writings that were there at the time exist today. In the Mishnah, in the Talmud, you can read it today. It says that... that, that uh, Within three days, there is a chance for a resuscitation. The spirit hovers over the body, there's a chance for the resuscitation. But after three days, there is no chance for a resuscitation. 
And he may say, that's, that's funny. Well, anyway, those were the teachings of the day. They'll look at us in a few thousand years and find things that we said today, like, uh, you know, like a few years ago they used to say eggs are bad for you. Now they say eggs are good for you. I mean, you know, there are lots of things that, that, that uh, people say that you find out later may or may not have made any sense. But that was their teaching. Jesus was going to raise a guy after four days. That was the significance of waiting the four days. Even if Jesus had run back, he wouldn't have gotten there in time. But he wanted to wait the four days. He had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. This is interesting. So, the two sisters are in the house, and somebody runs in saying, Jesus is on his way here. He had not yet gotten to the house. So Martha, remember Martha is the busy one who's always serving, and Mary's the one who's sitting at his feet and listening. You will find, very often, those who are very sensitive to things, like Mary was the one who was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening, those who are sensitive to things get more upset than those who are less sensitive about things. Those who are less sensitive about things, you know, do something to them, ah, don't worry about it, go on with life. Those who are very sensitive, it's like, you know, you you, you touched my finger. I'm upset with you, and I'm going to hold my upsetness all day toward you. you know, so, those who are very, very tender about things, you know, they hold things. And Mary's really upset about this, that Jesus didn't get there sooner. Martha runs, and what does Martha do? She scolds Jesus. She says in verse 20, Martha said to him, so she runs out to where he is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you know how much blame God takes for stuff? It's your fault I don't have a spouse. My fault. God gets blamed for all sorts of things. You know, so Jesus was getting blamed for something else. It's your fault my brother's dead. You... Remember, shortly after those messengers left, the guy died. If you had been here, if you, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So it's not like if you had run back as soon as you had heard. You should have stayed here with us. You never should have left. If you had stayed with us, my brother would be okay. God takes blame. People blame God for everything. Every problem in their lives, they blame God for. You know, they go out and they... You know, I can go out and do something stupid and get in trouble for it. And what's my first inclination? I want to blame God for that. No, it was me. I did this. But we want to blame God. You know, Jesus doesn't start defending himself, and God doesn't generally start defending himself either. God just sits quietly. Let's just blame away till we get through our little hissy fit. And we settle down, and, you know, there's time, and we reflect, and we go... No, I mean, this one's on me. It's my fault. I stuck my foot in my own mouth again. This was me. This was my big mouth blabbing again. Lord, this is not your fault. And, and uh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. 
And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's where we'll pick up next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. You are so good. Father, I pray that you would teach us to be patient, to understand that the things that come at us in life so often are the things that that make us stronger, that make us more prone to cry out to you. Father, help us to see your will. Abba, I pray for these young people that they would see things in their lives that are delaying or pains in their lives or sicknesses as your work, as your hand. And Father, that as a result they would be drawn all the closer to you and not blame you and not condemn you for these things that are in their lives. But Father, I pray that they would see the glory of God And that you would continue your work in their lives. Even if it causes them pain. Continue your work in their lives, I pray. To draw them close to you. And Father, I pray that you would cause them to be those that love Jesus and spend time in your presence, O Lord. Father, that they try to take hold of a relationship. And that they would be able to speak out of a depth of relationship with Jesus. Your grace be upon them, I pray. In your name I ask. Amen.